is just an intro video that I want to encourage you. If you have your bulletin, you can pull out this sheet right now. Matter of fact, I'd encourage you to do it right now. Grab this sheet. You'll see it right inside your bulletin. It says Right Now Media. This is a gift that we as a church are giving to everybody in our church, and not just in our church, but if you were to have friends or family and people like that that you want to invite in and over to that, they'll be able to do this as well. Right Now Media is basically simp- is, is just simply put uh, a gift for you to be able to make disciples. In other words, for you to grow in your relationship, for you to grow in your marriage and your parenting skills or anything else like that. There are over, and I know the video said 10,000, they are up to now 20,000 Bible studies, conferences, teachings, and all kinds of things that you'll have access to to be able to use in this. Everything from, from, uh, like I said, from parenting and marriage to uh, dealing with addictions and recovery to uh, church conferences and things like that. And so what we wanna encourage you to do is today to sign up. There's a number of ways to sign up. Number one, uh, first and foremost, you see the thing. You can text right now. You'll see it right there. You'll text this word right now. Give it a space and then TCTT to the numbers 41411. Uh, you'll text it. They're going to send you a link. That'll get you signed up right away with that. Or you can sign up today with Darren. Darren's going to be at the back today. Give us your email. We'll put your email into the, the database that we have. It'll send you an email where you can go and sign up. And here's the beauty about this. As a matter of fact, I've been using it with my travels. I downloaded the app. You can download the app and you have instant access to anything and everything that you have. So if you were, uh, maybe you got a 30 minute commute every work to, uh, or every morning to work, uh, you're able to download this. Uh, you can open it up. You can, you can get into anything that you want to, uh, whether it's Bible studies. And here's the beauty about it in, as well, is you can use it with your kids. They have a kid's channel. So when you go into the main page, you can click on kids. There are devotions that you can do as parents. There's like an eight minute video. And then they give you to download. You can just click on the the link. You can download a discussion guide so that you can use it with your kids to talk to them about what it is that we just learned. So there's Bible studies on Philippians and James and and things like that, that you'll be able to go through every day or once a week or something like that so that your kids can grow. Your kids will be able to watch uh, cartoons. There are Christian-based cartoons as well. And in the day of Netflix, I don't know about you, when I was growing up, we had Saturday morning cartoons. Right? Like, I, like we joked around and said, what happened to Saturday morning cartoons? That was the only day you got cartoons until we got older and then they started doing them after school. But that was the only day we got cartoons. I got a world or we live in a world now where the kids can access anything and everything they want through YouTube and Netflix and everything else. So we want to encourage you to download this great resource. We want to see you use it. Our life groups are going to be using it. We're going to be uh, really spreading out. You find something you want to lead and you're going to, you want to walk through with some people. These are opportunities where you can do it on your own, but then create conversation groups through texting and things like that. So we want to encourage you to download it right now. If you have a QR code reader, you can scan that QR code at the bottom of the thing that we just gave you, uh, and that'll take you right to that link. So we want to encourage you to be a part of that or, or get involved. We, we are giving this to you again as a church because we simply want to make disciples in every way, shape, or form. And with that, I do want to let you know about a couple things that we just recently uh, have that, that we can let you know. Parents, a lot of times when you begin to start talking about discipling your kids or when the church is like, you are the primary discipler, you're like, that's great, but I was never discipled. All right, there are things that we are working on right now in the leadership group that we've got going to develop so we can begin to look at how we disciple not just our kids, but how we are discipling people within the church. Now, 
This is specifically for kids, but parents, we have out here on this table off to the left where we have all of our information stuff, we have these faith conversation guides for you to take home. You may have a, 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 a preschooler, you may have an elementary school, you may have a kid in middle school or one in, in high school. We have four different pamphlets based upon the age where you can begin to have a faith conversation discussion with your kids that we wanna give you. You can grab them on the way out you know, it's going to be out there all this time. We're going to have them available as a resource for you. But we want to begin to have people who are discipling uh, their kids as well as we're going to be discipling them. So that's going to be rolling out. I know we're going to be jumping into our relationship series, but here's the beauty. And I, 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 want to, I would just want to share this with you. After being gone two weeks, you guys might be in trouble because I got a lot to say. <laughs> Okay, I appreciate you guys sharing me with other churches and it's been a joy to be a part of that. But, but there are some things we're working through as a church because we believe that we can do better. We believe that we have dropped the ball in some areas. Part of that comes from leadership and things like that. But we want to step up the game and how we're gonna be making disciples because we believe wholeheartedly that unless we're multiplying disciples and multiplying churches, we're missing out on the Great Commission. And so we are, are retooling, we're revamping. As a matter of fact, there's gonna be some things that if, even if you are a leader in a leadership role, we're gonna require that you go through certain processes so that we know that the people who are leading are leading in the best way possible. We've poured everything we can into you so that we are leading out in the same direction with the same goal in every aspect that we can. So we wanna encourage you with that. That's gonna be coming up in the next couple months. But if you have your Bibles, Open to Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five. I love, I love relationship series. Now, I am in no way, shape, or form a relationship expert, and my wife would tell you that. All right, see? See, I knew that was coming because huh, I'm learning just like you are, and there are times where I make mistakes drastically, all right? But I want to encourage you in this process that as we learn, as we grow through this, that we begin to dig deep into what God's Word says so that we can begin to see how we grow in our relationships, how we become better fathers, how we become better mothers, how do I become a better coworker? How do I relate better with, the, with even people within the church? Because the reality is you and I know that relationships are messy, aren't they? Like when you deal with relationships, we all bring the past baggage of everything that we've gone through into a relationship. And as a result of bringing that baggage, we begin to struggle. Why? Because we oftentimes cast preconceived ideas on an individual because of past experiences. We look at them and we go, well, this happened in the past, so therefore I'm expecting out of this person, even though it wasn't them, it was somebody else, I'm expecting them to respond in a certain way. And so we all bring that baggage. Every one of us, I mean, heck, you go to the airport, what is at an airport besides people? Baggage. I want you to think about it this way. Usually, when we come to a church, and not usually, always, when you come to church or you enter into a relationship with somebody else, guess what there is? Baggage. And a lot of baggage. It's not just like one suitcase, hey, I'm coming for a weekend trip, especially as the relationship gets longer. It is, I am moving in. You know, it's like, who the heck are you? As a matter of fact, I love, I love Bill Engvall. 
For those of you who know who I'm talking about, Bill Engvall released a sarcastic and comedic act that launched his, really launched his career into stardom. And it's called, Here's Your, Here's Your Sign. And I, I love it, and here's the reason why I love it, because I love making fun of stupid people. I do. I'm like, that's brilliant. But Bill Ingvall takes it to a whole nother level because in it, he says, stupid people should have to simply wear a sign that states, I'm stupid. So that when you went to them and asked for advice, you could immediately go, hey, I got a question. They turn around, never mind. I'll go somewhere else. All right? But the reality is in most of our relationships, we don't see the signs that the people need to be wearing most of the time. We don't see the sign like, hey, I'm angry. Hey, I'm short. Hey, I've been abused in the past. Hey, I right now don't want to deal with you, right? A lot of times we don't pick up on the signs like that. And I think about these signs oftentimes and I wish, man, I wish I just had one. But I, 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 think, about, <laughs> I think about Bill Ingalls. I got two favorites. I got to share them with you. I can't do it. But the, <laughs> the way that we begin to think about these signs, here, here's, my, here's my favorite one. Bill Ingvall talks about how he goes up to a gas station, pulls up to the station, and as he pulls up with a flat tire, the attendant looks at him and goes, huh, your tire go flat? Nope, I was driving around, the other three just swell right on up. You know, and you're sitting there going, wow, that's awesome. And then the other one that I love, one day I locked my keys in my car and I was standing there with a coat hanger halfway through the top of my driver's side window. A guy walks up, says, lock your keys in the car. He said, nope, just wash my car, hanging it out to dry. Here's your sign, (laughs) right? All of us deal with these things. All of us deal with these struggles. All of us carry our own baggage. All of us in reality have signs in some way, shape, or form, and they're oftentimes built. Our relationship struggles are oftentimes built on the past that has affected us, and we automatically, again, cast it upon everybody else thinking they should know or they're going to treat me like everybody else. I mean, it's easy because if you've ever entered into a relationship with another person, all right, they oftentimes will judge you based upon the past responses their boyfriends or girlfriends gave them. Am I not correct, men or women? When you have entered into a relationship with another person and you have done what you could, they always say things like this. Well, such and such gave me, I'll use this example. My wife told me at one point, and I'm gonna try and cuss her on the bus. She told me at one point, I don't want flowers. I don't want flowers because I don't like what flowers represented because this person, every time that they brought me flowers because they, were, they had done something stupid. And so I remember coming, this is after, after I bought her flowers. And it was like, what? She goes, I'd rather have a gift card or the money you spent on flowers so I could go spend the money myself. Okay. I could count on one hand the amount of time I bought my wife flowers. Now, that's not a cast on her. It's just the fact that she, in the past, experienced bad things as a result of getting flowers from somebody. So therefore, at the time, I felt like it was cast upon me. Now, there's all kinds of things I could go down and my wife would say that I cast upon her. So I'm not going to go down there. Uh, that'll just show you all my flaws and, and my inconsistencies. 
But I want you to think about this. When we enter into relationships, most of the times we cast those past emotions and struggles on everybody else. And so today I wanna dig into Ephesians chapter five. We're not even gonna be looking at husbands and wives. We're gonna start in verse 15 and listen to what he says. And I know, listen, this is not a straight out slam on relationships or, or a pointer in relationships until the very end, but I wanna dig in and listen to what Paul says about this. Listen to what he says. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, listen, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 21, submit to one another out of what? Reverence for Christ. Now I've used this in the past when we talk about this because submission oftentimes has taken this wicked turn. In other words, you know, jokingly at times, sometimes not so jokingly, people have said, my wife doesn't submit. Now, there's a balance here in submission and subservient servanthood. In other words, just being a slave to your husband. Submission is, and it literally lays us out, that we mutually submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So out of my love, my respect, and my obedience to Jesus Christ, I then submit to my wife as the husband, but my wife also submits to me. Not because I dominate or dictate or, or, or drag her through the mud as if she's something I own, but because as of a result, God has entrusted me with somebody I'm to love, somebody I am to lead, somebody Somebody I'm to give grace and forgiveness to at all times, at all points in life. And likewise, though, listen to me, wives, there is something that when you submit to a husband's leadership that leads to success in a marriage. And so there's a beautiful relationship that goes on in that. But listen to what he says again. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In everything we do, when we submit, submission is an act of humility. And humility is huge when it comes to relationships, is it not? Nobody likes to argue with a prideful person. Matter of fact, most of the time, people don't argue with a prideful person because they just learn to give up and walk away. Because a prideful person never listens. A prideful person always looks at their needs, their desires, their wants, and they don't look at anybody else. And so as we jump in today's scripture, I want you to begin to ask yourself this question or begin to think about how do I begin to develop my relationships so that I can be a better husband, I can be a better father, I can be a better coworker, I can be a better neighbor. In everything that we look at, we have to begin to understand what's taking place. Why? Because families and marriages and meaningful relationships have signs of health. They have signs of health, and in today's world, we need more and more healthy relationships. Matter of fact, on uh, Friday, I got to be a part uh, with a, a, a number of pastors from the area that a guy named Dr. Rick Martz, who, who's a licensed counselor, has got a doctor and all that stuff down in Florida. Anyways, he deals with marriage counseling, family counseling, relationships, and, and things like that. But he brought up this idea. Listen, if we talk about healthy relationships, the reality is most of Americans are not in healthy relationships. 
because most Americans respond in ways where we show ourselves more as children and adolescents than ever being adults. Matter of fact, his, his big statement or, or the idea that I got from this, and it's our big statement today is this, our relationships must be planted in fruitful, healthy soil in order to grow, otherwise we need to be replanted. Our relationships must be planted in fruitful, healthy soil in order to grow, otherwise they need to be replanted. And so my question to you is this, what does your soil look like? Because if you grew up in a toxic family with the toxic background, with lots of problems and difficulties and struggles, guess what your soil is? Toxic. And the reality is you're not gonna be able to grow into what God wanted you to be because you're planted in toxic soil. You have to be replanted in order to grow. You have to be moved into some healthy dirt in order to prosper, in order to function, right? And here's what I mean by that. Most of us in our relationships, whether it's marriage and family or, or other relationships, where do we run to first? Most people in America run to everything under the sun. Self-help books, Dr. Phil, Oprah, maybe it's The View. Golly, help us if it is. bunch of women leading the direct, sorry. That didn't mean that come out that way, but that just came out that way. So anyways, let me just clarify on that. When we go down those healthy relationship aspects, we begin to see that when we allow the toxic things to invest in the relationships of our lives, we are only going to get toxic results. So we have to be planted in healthy Soil, soil that's rich in nutrients. And instead of growing and maturing in love, a lot of times we wilt and shrink and shrivel up because we're stuck in fear and manipulation and failure and troubles. So hear me out today. Here's the question. How can I or how can we be replanted once I've been planted in toxic soil? We all struggle with that. Listen to me. All of us have struggles in the past. All of us have childhoods that we begin to look at and go, we were either raised well or maybe we weren't raised well. But how do I begin to grow in my relationship that maybe suffers from a toxic childhood, toxic dirt or toxic soil? Here's number one is this. How can we be replanted? I have to make the most of every opportunity. And what I mean by that is this. Listen again what he says, starting in verse 15. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but is wise, making the most of every opportunity. Here's, here's the big picture that I would say we have to begin to see. It says very clearly in scripture, 2 Peter chapter 2, that God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everybody to repent and believe in who Jesus is. And so God is offering every opportunity under the sun for you to be replanted out of toxic soil into new soil. That's, that's the beauty of baptism. It's what baptism represents, that you are buried in Christ, that everything that you had in the past is buried, it's gone, it's, it's, it's buried under the ground. You are now raised to walk in a new life. And so as a result, we have to begin to cultivate or till the soil of this new life. We have to begin to feed the soil with which we're gonna grow. Otherwise, we're we're gonna go right back into the toxic thing. Why? Because we allow the toxic stuff to maintain and stay the same. What we have to do though is begin to feed a nutrient or feed nutrients into the soil so that we can grow into not what we were or what we went through in the past, but, but 
to grow into everything that God wants us to grow into. And so I have to make the most of every opportunity. And let me, let me just clarify this. And I'm not usually the guy who jumps into the legalistic ideas and thought processes, but my question is this. Do you train or do, do you even look at it yourself? Do you take advantage of every opportunity to grow in your relationship with Jesus? The reality is most of American church is in a consumeristic mindset. What do you got for me? What are you going to give me? Me, me, me. Me, me, me. We're, we're very good at the me things because that's why people will say, hey, look, you're not meeting my needs, so I'm going to go somewhere else. And we've turned into a consumeristic mentality. That's why 10% of the church does 90% of the work because the rest sit back and we, we're, it's like fans at a stadium. You know, we could talk about our team, Right? My team, my team, my team. Wait, when were you on it? Look, I'm as an athlete because I'm the same way. Like when I talk about the Broncos or Rockies, it's my team. Am I on the team? No. I'm a consumer of the team, but I'm not on the team. I don't partake in practice. I don't go through the meetings. I don't go through the drills. I don't go through the growing process. I don't develop as a player. I'm not anything of that. I sit and I watch. And the reality is most people come into church, we sit and we watch, and we're not a part of the team. I make the most of every opportunity. Do you grow? Are you connected with other believers? Are you growing in discipleship? In other words, not just talking about a Sunday school class. Are you in some way, shape, or form growing? Listen to me, and I know I'm not, I'm not trying to pass the buck. We're going to be releasing this probably within the next couple months. Hopefully after summer, we're gonna work through it. I don't wanna just cut loose, but we're going to release a next steps process, a plan so that you can identify where you're at and how you can begin to grow in your relationship. That's the process we have to begin to see in order to see people made uh, disciples or to see disciples made and to see churches multiplied. So the question is again, how can we be replanted? I have to make the most of every opportunity. Dr. Marx said it this week, and I had to use this quote because I loved it. The soil of the relationships in which we grow will determine our outcome unless we replant ourselves. In other words, the soil of the relationships that you grew up in, they're going to determine the outcome with which you're going to get. So if you maintain that toxic soil, you're gonna get toxic fruit out of it. But if I replant myself into healthy soil, if, if I'm replanted in the soil that God wants me to be, then as a result of me feeding the nutrients in by taking in his word, by spending more time in relationships with others, now I grow and I bear fruit that is worthy of what God has called me to do. Why? Because I'm not growing in and of myself in my toxic past, but I'm growing in Christ. So we begin to make the most of every opportunity. And I just ask you that question. Do you make the most of every opportunity you're granted? See, his desire is to have a relationship with you. Not your busyness in ministry, not your hard work ethic, not your difficult struggles and situations, not the excuses. Jesus wants a relationship with you. Matter of fact, we can go back to Matthew chapter seven where it literally says, look, there's gonna be lots of people who said, look at all the good things I did and he's gonna say away from me, I never knew you. Why? Because the relationship was absent. They were all about being there, but they missed out on the greatest thing. They missed out on the opportunity that Jesus was offering. 
So how do I be replanted? How do I become replanted? I have to make the most of every opportunity. Did you respond to Christ first and foremost, number one? Number two, do you invest in your own relationship? If you only come on Sunday mornings, I'm just telling you this, if you only come on Sunday mornings, you never read the Bible, you never pray, you never spend time with other believers, you are going to grow in a toxic world. Because most of the times we surround ourselves with toxic individuals. That's what happens. That's relationships. And so I have to make the most of every opportunity to grow in my relationship. You have multiple opportunities through relationships to love others greatly, to influence them to Jesus. That's a result of healthy, fertile soil. Listen again what he says, and I'm gonna jump down. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are what? What? Evil. Listen, walking wisely helps us make full use of the time we have. Time is short. Time is brief. Everybody knows that in some way, shape, or form. Kids just don't understand it. I mean, heck, you don't understand it until maybe you hit 40. I don't know. Maybe that's the magic number. All of a sudden, you realize, oh my gosh, half my life's gone. And that's if I make it to 80. Time is short, time is brief. And we have to make the most of every opportunity. How else am I replanted? Number two is this. How can we be replanted? I stop falling into worldly beliefs. Listen to verses 17 and following. Therefore, do not be what? You can cheat, says it there. Verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I find it ironic when I said stop falling into worldly beliefs. I find it ironic how quickly we are to run to worldly ideas, worldly thoughts, and things that God says, nope, you're not getting the big picture. When it comes to marriage advice, how quickly we'll run in, we'll do certain things. I'm not saying there's not some wise ideas, but the big question is this. When it comes to marriage, when it comes to families, when it comes to raising your kids, who do you run to first? Where do you go to first? What are you teaching and training your kids to be obedient to? Who are you training your kids to be obedient to? How are you teaching them to love and follow God on a daily basis? We run to all kinds of things. Listen, we can sit down. There are some great things. You, you want to know, if you were to look up, they would say the number one factor for most people from a worldly point of view, the number one factor in raising good kids is eating dinner together. Is that a great thing? Heck yeah. Is that the primary thing? Nope. Our family eats dinner all the time together. Just eating dinner together does not lead them to Jesus. Now, my conversations at the dinner table may. My conversations on a daily basis, my actions that are lived out as I begin to pour my life into them, those are the things. But we have to stop falling into worldly beliefs. Why? Because worldly beliefs are foolish. That's why he says, therefore, do not be Foolish. Nobody likes to argue with a fool, right? We always joke about this, and I, I, at least I do. I find it ironic that we'll jump on Facebook, or people will jump on Facebook, convinced that they're going to show somebody how stupid they are, and that person's going to change their mind. Do you know what that's called? Foolishness. All right? You can stand there all you want and try and make as many statements as you want on there, but you're going to lose. Why? 
Because number one, there's no relational connection there. You're not sitting down and having a conversation. You're not listening to the person. You're basically reading words. And when you argue with a foolish person, you're gonna get foolish responses. The reality is, foolishness is always going to be there. Therefore, do not be foolish, he says, but rather, listen, understand what the Lord's will is. We have to begin to understand what is God's will for my children? What is God's will for my marriage? What is God's will for our family? How does he want to work in my life? What am I supposed to do as a father? What am I supposed to do as a husband? Those are all things that if we run to the world, we're gonna run into foolish ideas. As a matter of fact, we talk about this consistently, but the the simple fact is there are people out there now who will say, you want to strengthen your marriage? Watch pornography. Are you kidding me? You just went down the very road that we're trying to get away from. Why do we look at it and we go, oh my gosh, it's so bad that we traffic children into sexual stuff, but we're okay with pornography while they're consenting adults. And that makes it right? No. It's still foolish. And the fact of the matter remains that we oftentimes run to foolish things. Why? Because the world says, this is what's going to lead you to success. This is what's going to strengthen your marriage. This is what's going to strengthen your family. This is the primary way you can make your kids successful. Look, I I love our kids being involved in sports. Brooklyn has been good at gymnastics. Ethan's been involved in baseball. But I can tell you this wholeheartedly, that the way it's set up right now, people are selling parents the lie that if your kid just sticks with the competitive sports throughout all of their kids' time and their their, their teen years, that they're gonna get a college scholarship. And the reality is, it's not gonna happen. It's nice to have a goal. I'm not trying to step on dreams and goals. But less than 10% of all kids will ever go on to play college sport. You're in the minority. I'm not saying shoot for the stars. I'm not trying to squash your dream. But we have to stop falling for worldly beliefs and start going, hey, look, there is a thing that we want to strive for first and foremost as a family. That's godliness. We wanna have godly character rooted in the truth of the gospel. We wanna see our friends and neighbors come to Jesus. We, wanna, we want you to know that our number one goal as parents is that you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ long before you ever become the greatest baseball player around. We have to stop falling for worldly beliefs. That's how we become replanted, unhealthy. And I, this was a statement that, that Dr. Mark said the other day, and I, I find this I find this so truthful, but unhealthy adults cannot raise healthy children. And likewise, might step on some toes, my own included, unhealthy churches cannot raise healthy disciples. Every relationship we have falls under the influence of Scripture. And every relationship we have is a chance to walk into a healthy, meaningful relationship. Healthy in the fact of what God wants to accomplish through us. Healthy in the fact that God is first and foremost in everything. So why do we run to unhealthy things looking for answers and directions when they have no clue? 
So how do we replant ourselves or how can we be replanted? Number one, we make the most of every opportunity. Number two, we stop falling into worldly beliefs. Number three is this, that we are filled with the spirit. Listen to what he says in verse 18 and I love it. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. He's arguing up to this point. He's saying, look, here's the deal. He's not saying you can't drink. All right, but listen to me. Here's the problem most people, we don't have a, a way to say or to stop or to, to give up. We just keep the pedal to the metal, the throttle's down and we're gonna go hard at it. And the problem is he says, listen, don't get drunk on wine, but rather, which leads to debauchery, rather be filled with the spirit. My question is this, what is it in your life that you know you're taking in that you shouldn't be taking in that you should be filling with the spirit? Because the reality is everything that we look at, when we look at the big picture, we fill things or put things in our lives to find the void, to fill the void with which we're looking for direction. And oftentimes we'll fill it. Sometimes, listen to me, sometimes we'll fill it with other toxic relationships. Because it's easy. That's what we knew, remember? That's the soil we were planted in. And as a result of that, we're not filling ourselves with the Spirit. We're filling ourselves with a bunch of people who tell us what we think we ought to do. We're filling our, our, our minds and our thoughts with these toxic thoughts that this person is pouring into our life and it's not truth from Scripture, but it's something that they're just allowing or they're speaking out and you're allowing to influence you. Listen, here's, here's the, the hardest thing about relationships in my opinion. You love someone dearly, don't you? And as a result of loving them, you want to listen to them. But sometimes it's just not good. Sometimes you have to begin to go, that, that's, not, that's not healthy. You ever notice, and, and, and this is one of those things, do you ever notice how toxic people attract toxic people? You know what I'm talking about, right? Like at work, the complainers all go to the who? Oh, the other complainers. Why? Because the complainers listen to each other. The minute you like put a squash on the complaining, the minute you say, hey man, I'm just, I don't have time for this. We're not gonna talk about this. Guess where they go? They fly the coop. They're gonna go to somebody else who's gonna listen to them. And so here's what he's saying. Instead of being filled with all this toxic stuff from everybody else, instead of getting drunk on wine, which is what he's literally talking about, I'm not trying to take away from the meaning, but what I want you to understand is this. Most of the times, we aren't filled with the Spirit. Rather, we're drunk on what everybody else wants to tell us. We listen to those thoughts, sometimes bad things, sometimes bad advice, bad ideas. And as a result, we're not filled with the spirit, but rather we're filled with more toxic problems. See, when difficulties arise, my question is this, where do you run? When difficulties in marriage arise, where do you run? When difficulties with your kids arise, where do you run? When difficulties with coworkers arise, where do you run? Each Christian, each and every Christian has all the spirit you're ever going to need or get. But the command here is that the spirit would have all of you. Not that you need more of the spirit. Oh, if I just got more of the spirit. Nope, you got it all. But the spirit needs more of you. Be filled with uh, spirit, do you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in the direction? When your husband 
or wife says a cutting remark or a rude statement, what do you easily do? Because it's easy to do. Don't get me wrong. What's the first thing we do when we get attacked? Whew, I got to defend myself. That's the first response. That's the first nature. It's always that way. It's called fight or flight, right? All right? I can fight or I can flee. But usually the first defense or the first response is defense. And when we get into this big picture, when we see being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit means that I respond to somebody else the way Jesus would respond to them, not the way I feel like I should respond to them. This goes a long way in every relationship. Please hear me of this. When we talk about this relationship series, we're gonna focus, we're gonna talk about marriage, we're gonna talk about our kids. But I want you to think about this. In every relationship, do you run to toxic relationships or do you run to healthy relationships? Toxic relationships are always a struggle. And I believe wholeheartedly, listen to me, I believe it's our job, it's our responsibility. Every believer is going to have to deal with toxic relationships. Why? Because if we're gonna reach people who need Jesus, they're gonna have toxic things. Heck, even after people become believers, there's gonna be toxic things within all of our lives that's gonna rise to the top. That's called the sin nature. Every one of us is gonna bring it to the table. But when we're filled with the Spirit, we can begin to understand that he's going to squash that. He's going to help us forgive. He's gonna help us to move on. He's gonna help us not hold a grudge over those other individuals. He's gonna let us walk in freedom, to walk in forgiveness, to walk with grace. When I am filled with the Spirit, I can walk with forgiveness and grace. When I am filled with my toxic things, I'm gonna hold a grudge, I'm gonna hold an expectation, and I'm gonna have problems with other people. And I have to realize that that's just a sign that I need to be replanted. And I need to have the Spirit or I need to give myself over to the Spirit more and more. That's the reality of what we see. See, church, and listen, listen to what he says. I love this. He says, don't get drunk on wine. Instead, uh, that leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And listen to what he says. Speak to one another with what? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what he's really getting at. Your response, whether it's Sunday morning, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, in worship with God is a direct result or relationship with you being filled with the Spirit. Because you're gonna face hard times. You're gonna face difficult times. You're going to have conflict with somebody in relationship. There's going to be something said that maybe you took the wrong way or maybe you misunderstood and things like that that lead us into, listen, grudges, problems. I'm not going to forgive that person. Instead, when I walk in the Spirit, I can live with forgiveness. I can live with grace. I can live with expectation. And as a result, when I'm filled with the Spirit, guess what this is carrying out? That my worship is better. It's better because my heart is better. That I can respond to one another with psalms, 
with hymns, with spiritual songs, that as a result, our church music is literally a way of believers ministering to each other and singing is a means of worshiping the Lord. That's what he's literally laying out. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, he didn't say for some things. He said for everything. You know, one of the most exciting times, in my opinion, should be the music time. And listen to me, we as Baptists struggle with this. Matter of fact, I've said this in the past, but when, when Dr. Marks was here, he said, we, we struggle with this drastically, greatly. But the emotional side, we want to neglect most of the time in the Baptist culture. We neglect emotions. Well, why? Because emotions, that leads us to charismatic stuff. Oh my gosh. Seriously? Yes. Do you realize that God uses emotions to get you where he wants you? God uses your fear so that you could begin to follow him with faith. God uses your pain so that you can cast all your cares and all your worries on him because he will carry you in those times of pain. God uses the mess ups and mistakes to get you to where he wants you to be so that you could be a greater vessel to be used for him so that you could speak truth into the lives of those people that you are just like or maybe in the past you were like. See, God wants to use us in that way. And so we begin to see that we have to be filled with the Spirit. And then number four, how do we become replanted? We have to learn mutual submission. Listen to me, this is all based upon humility. When I talk about learning mutual submission, we're talking about humility. You ever tried to get in an argument with a humble person? <laughs> Honestly. You ever tried to argue or pick a fight with somebody who's humble? and you can't? Learning mutual submission means this, that I learned to think about the other person maybe even more than myself. I have to learn to be mutually submissive, and this is what he's saying, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Here's the biggest struggle when we talk about it in the church world. Why do so many churches have conflict? Why do so many churches have personal grudges? Why are people within the church against each other? Why do we battle? Why do we hit heads? And let me tell you what it is. It's not humility. It's pride. Why did so many people dig their heels in in the past when I was growing up and just say it's never gonna happen as long as I'm here? Do you wanna know why? Because usually it wasn't based upon scripture. It's based upon pride. And we let pride get in the way. And when pride gets in the way, you don't argue with somebody who's prideful because it's always gonna go back to them. Mutual submission speaks of humility. It looks at somebody better than ourselves, that I should love my neighbor as myself, that at times when I realize that mutual submission comes into play, that I can submit myself to somebody else because I know that their intent or their desire is to seek the best in what God has for me. Listen to me, when we all begin to worry about ourselves a little bit more and about everybody else a little bit less, things will go better. 
mutual submission is a beautiful thing. It's a thing that when played out will stop conflict. It will let conflict die. See, conflict enters when we, and we watch it blow up when pride is primary. And our attitude should reflect reverence for Christ. And listen to me, reverence for Christ has no room for pride. So whether it's a marriage relationship, whether it's a relationship between a son and a father or a mother and a daughter, whether it's a relationship with another coworker, when you let pride hold on, you are only going to get toxic. So here's how I wanna wrap up today in a very simple way. And I want you to think about this played out. D.L. Moody, a great pastor back in the days, had an empty cup, and if I, the reality was, if I thought about it, I should have done this, but he had an empty glass. And the question he asked was this, how do you get air out of a glass? How do you get air out of a glass? It has to be filled. And the idea is this, that inside of our lives are toxic things that go on. There's air. There's air in there that can be somewhat toxic. There are things we allow in our lives to fester and well up inside. And the reality is we need the life-giving water that Jesus offers to pour into the glass so that we are not filled with toxic things, but we are filled with that life-giving water. So my question today is this, as I'm gonna have the band come up and play, as you begin to think about this, when you remove the stale air, when you remove those toxic things and we dig in and get deep, what are you filling your glass with? Are you filled with the spirit? Or are you filled with worldly beliefs and ideas? Because if you wanna succeed in your relationships, you don't need more worldly beliefs. You don't need more worldly ideas. You need more living water. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that we know we all bring, I bring toxic things into my relationships I have. And at times I can let my own ideas, my own personality, I can let my own past become something that wells up inside that I allow to dictate the direction of a relationship. But God, I pray today that you would check that in me, that I would realize what it means to be submissive to people, that I can learn that I don't always have to get my way, that I don't have to be a person filled with pride, but I can be a person who's led by humility, my humility and relationship to who Jesus is. And so God, I pray for relationships all over this room. God, I know today may be tough for some. Maybe they've lost a mother. Maybe they've uh, dealt with somebody who, maybe, maybe they wanna be a mom and they can't be a mom right now. God, I know today can be tough. I know today can be toxic. Maybe there's some broken relationships, some broken marriages. Maybe there's some struggles ahead that you need to just enter into. So God, I pray today that our hearts would be open, that we would cry out to you, that you would fill us, and that you would restore our relationships. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Here's what we're gonna do.